he he wrote it down. Father God, we gather here today under your care and protection. Thank you for your loving kindness that never fails us. We thank you for those with us, that you will guide our thoughts and actions to bring you glory. Strengthen us and fill us with your peace. May we serve each other as Jesus has shown us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and do good. Do your good work on earth. Amen. Amen. It's like it's like it's that that the equivalent to calling him up here is like calling Nikki up here to pray. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna pray Sunday morning, and I gave Tyler like a day in advance, so I didn't just like throw you on the spot. I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's a day. It's probably been like 24 hours. Anyways, oh, it's all good. So tonight we're gonna be talking about the desolate place and the purpose. Okay, if you title anything, you can title it at that, at, as that. Okay. So the word desolate, I like to break words down and explain what that means because in high school we were raised, you know, when you're studying something, you have the title and you have the marks and the words and the meaning. So I like to break it down because I, I receive that way and the way that I preach is the way that I understand it when I'm listening. So, all right, the word desolate means a state of complete emptiness, anguished misery, or loneliness. A synonym would be forsaken, deserted, waste. And the opposite of it, the antonym would be fertility, joy, attended, consoled. And you hear this and you're like, okay, and so we have the Bible, right? And there's all these instances where I can think of a lot of different scenarios where people had been through that place, a very deserted place in their life, a very lonely place that they had to walk out what God called them to do. And whenever I think of that, the word deserted, I automatically always, my mind goes to the Israelites. I mean, my gosh, they're talked about throughout the entire Bible. You always go like to the wilderness and yeah, and all that, and it's great. But I like to go back to the beginning of that. So let's go to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to go verses 1 through 4, and they're going to have it up here, and I'm also going to read. All right. All right, we're good. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, a fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. So he had to like go check it out. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So burning bush, crazy story. I mean, come on, and it's not, and, and, and anybody, like if it were us and we're walking, you know, deer hunting, you know, because we're in the south, and you're going, you're like, wow, this tree's on fire, like, it's over there. Well, I'm probably going to go check it out and see what's going on, right? Because it's, it's a strange sight. It's something, it's something out of this world. So Moses went over to the bush. But to give a little backstory on Moses, does anybody know how old Moses was when he had his burning bush experience? Don't say it, Tyler. Yeah, he, he knows. I told him last night. I had to prep him. I had to give him a backstory on Moses, run a quick Exodus rundown for him. But he was 80 years old. Yes, you're close. Good job, babe. He was 80 years old when he met God on that mountain and that bush experience. Because the mountain of Horeb, Mount, it's Mount Sinai, it's God's mountain, okay? 
So he met him there when he was 80 years old. And backstory with Moses was he was born a slave. And the king at the time, you know, was putting a hit out on all the little baby boys and was having them murdered at the time that they were born, okay? And Moses' mom, who was born into slavery, put Moses in a basket, and he floated down the river, and uh, someone in the royal palace picked him up and raised him in the royal palace. He grew up not knowing that his real identity was a slave, was an Israelite. And when he was raised... He ended up killing one of the king's guard because he saw someone getting beat up, an Israelite, a slave, and he felt enraged inside and killed that guard and struck him down. He was enraged by it. Now, this was a guy who was raised in the palace. You know, he was raised as royalty. And when you're raised a certain way, you look at people a little bit differently, but he felt a passion for that slave when he was beaten to death. And he went and pretty much traded sides and killed the man who was doing his job under the royal family's decree. And so Moses fled for his life because when you kill a guard, that they were going to come kill him. So he fled for his life. So he was raised in a, in a place, in a royal palace. He had a different bloodline, and he just fled for his life. He fled to the desert, and there he married a woman. And if we go back to the beginning of the story, he was tending a flock that his father-in-law had so backstory he was living with them okay so 80 years and then you see a bush on fire you know because when you tend sheep you typically do that every single day that's his job that's his livelihood it's what he had been doing for so long from the palace to the flock right just wandering the desert tending this a little humbling experience i'm sure But So he was tending to the flock, and he had his burning bush experience. Eighty years of wandering. Eighty years of being separated from his family. Eighty years of his identity, not knowing who he was anymore. He didn't have a home. He married somebody. He married into a family, but it wasn't his identity. Okay? So when he sees that bush, he's like, oh, I've got to go check that out. It, it, it It drew him to it. So my story is... I can relate with that in so many ways. If we go back to that definition of desolate, it's a state of emptiness, anguish, misery, or loneliness. He was away from where he grew up, and I can, you can imagine that's lonely. Like if you were raised, kid, youth, not kids, y'all are youth, my bad, youth, and then at a certain age, you just move away. You don't have any of your family. You can't go back because if you go back, you die. So your heart's almost in this place of just constricting um, ideas. So for me... I was separated from my family for a long time, not physically, but spiritually. I really just felt very alone in my addiction because when you're in a drug addiction, you typically isolate from the people that you care about because the people that you care about are trying to help you, and when you feel like they're trying to help you, they're trying to control you. And so you just kind of learn to be alone, and I felt extremely empty. I felt extremely lonely. I felt deserted, and it wasn't anything that they were doing. It's just the state of mind that I was in. And I had a burning bush experience myself. And for me, my burning bush moment where God really called to me, where God put me in a place where I could receive was at the bridge and at Teen Challenge in South Louisiana. Teen Challenge people represent, you know. Yeah, we got like five of them in here, I think. Wait, one, two, three. Yeah, we got like five, six. Sorry, Megan, (laughs) wherever she is. But anyways, so in that moment where he was called to that bush, He had no identity, and everything he thought he knew wasn't true anymore. He was in a desolate place. So we're going to go to Hosea um, chapter 2. 
verses 14 through 15. Marvel, you got me? That's right. Verses 14 through 15. All right. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. All right. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley anchor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. So I did this message originally with my testimony. Whenever I go to Teen Challenge, I typically always give my testimony, and I had to put a message into it. And for me, the most desolate place in my life where I felt very alone, very, you know, just just in, in a place of complete sin, separation from God, because that's what sin does to us as believers. And so whenever I was at the bridge, I had a moment there where God really called to me. And I was telling Hutton this message, you know, months ago whenever I was preaching it. And I was like, I was reading the scripture. I said, it said allure her. And he said, that's not a word, Jordan. I was like, that's, I, I pro-. typically he's right. I was like, no, I promise you, it, it says it. It's right here, allure her. And he's like, well, I'm going to look up what that means. I was like, yeah, look it up. I mean, I don't know what that means either. But I mean, that's what the Bible says. So you should probably check it out. So he looked up the word allure, and it means to powerfully attract or charm, to tempt. The Hebrew definition means to open the mouth, eyes, ears, hands, or lips. Moses had been wandering for so long that he almost probably was stale in that place. Right? And then this moment happens where he sees a bush on fire and it's almost like it's out of his routine. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go check that out. And he meets God in that place. But while Moses was in the desert, those those years that he had stayed separated from Egypt, from his identity, he was being molded, he was tending sheep, he was he was getting his mindset to a place. Why did God appear to him when he was eighty years old? He walked the same path every single day. So why that day, why that burning bush experience then? Moses was being prepped. He was being groomed. Imagine if God would have came to him earlier. Moses would have, could have been like, I'm not going to check that. I'm just going to keep going. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm content with where I am. Nothing exciting. He was bored where he was at. I mean, he had to have been. His same thing every day, not knowing who you are, doing your father-in-law's work. I mean, come on. And so God allured him. He charmed him by something out of the ordinary that happened in his life. For me, something out of the ordinary that charmed me to the presence of God was showing up at Teen Challenge. I'd been separated in such a lonely and such a dark place in my life that no one could have came to me at any other time than right then. Right at that burning bush experience for me. I would have never opened up. I would have never had my eyes open, my mouth open, my ears open. And that's exactly what happened to me. How many of y'all know Shannon Brooks? Most everyone does. If you don't, sucks to be you. So she came to the bridge after I'd been there a week. And she, you know, went Holy Ghost Ninja on me and, like, slain me in the spirit. I was, like, released, and I got up, and it was like I could hear for the first time. That's that's exactly how I can explain it. It's like there was this stuffing in my ears, and I hadn't heard the Holy Spirit speak to me in so long that after she prayed over me and I went out, I got up, and I wasn't the same. I was like, wow, who is that, you know, wow, so we're going to go back for just one minute, okay, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, speaking of, that's a note from Shannon Brooks that just fell, how funny, all right, 
5 through 12. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your, of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So, Moses had a burning bush experience, and God revealed himself to him. And he said, where you're coming, where you're about to step over is holy ground. You have to shed that identity. You have to shed that skin that you've been wearing if you want to come any closer to me. And it was an action. In that moment, Moses might not have even known it at the time, but he was stepping in to purpose. He was stepping out of misery, out of the deserted place, out of the routine of everyday life, out, out, of, out, of, out of his duties as a shepherd, and he was stepping into the purpose of God. And he didn't know it, but it requires an act. It requires something of us. Right? So a lot of us, I'm speaking to two different people tonight. There could be people that are living in that place of loneliness. That could be living in that place of rejection. That could be living in that place of no identity. Yeah, you separated from your family. Yeah, you might have got clean. Yeah, you started coming to church. But do you know who you are? Have you had that experience where we can all get free from our addiction? We can all get free from relationships that, uh, that, uh, that abuse us and hurt us. We can get free from all of those things. But what happens after that? Anybody can get free tonight. You know, I mean, in high school it's a little bit different. It could be rumors. It could be relationships with friends that are just so back and forth. For adults it could be your marriage. It could be anything. Relationships with your children. But it requires something of us to step out. And if you go back and you see Moses, when God told him who he was and what he wanted him to do, he said, who am I? You know, who am I? And in that moment, who am I that I can go is what he said. Like me, me, God, really? Like you, you, you picked me to do this? I'm just, I've been here for, I'm 80 years old. Like I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't do this. And God, and God said, no. And he sat there for a second. And I'm going to finish the end of that. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And another crazy part about that story is God had his moment with Moses on the burning bush on that mountain. It was just a mountain at that point, you know? And he told him, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to bring people back to this mountain, to this moment, so they can have a burning bush experience just like you. That I will reveal myself to them, I will reveal my identity, and they will know who they are, and they will know who they are created to be. But so often we get caught in that place, who am I? Yeah. You know, Tyler was not ready to come up here. He was not ready. He wasn't ready. (laughs) And he told me he wasn't ready. You know, but imagine in that moment, you tell God, who am I? I can't do this. 
He nev- we're, never, we're never ready to walk in the purpose. You're never going to arrive at this place in your walk with God where you're like, I'm good, I'm saved, maybe then I can start doing stuff. God wants you to do stuff now because we're not perfect. You're never going to arrive at this place where you're just this very polished Christian. It just doesn't happen. A reason why I just love Pastor Sandra so much and it's also a curse is she will, if you go minister with her anywhere, she comes to minister to you, she will kick you out and be like, you are going to talk to this person and you are going to pray for them. And I'm like, no. And she said, oh yeah. And she's scary. So you can't really tell her no. She will, she will push you so far out of your comfort zone because we never are ready for that purpose driven place. It's so easy to stay in that desolate place. And a lot of us cry out like, oh, why don't I have any friends? Oh, God, I don't, like, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. Nobody's even asked me to serve. Like, okay. You know what I mean? You can get in that place where you can be very comfortable in loneliness and despair and a deserted place because you don't... there's no responsibilities on you there. It's very easy to stay there, and fear of being rejected by other people allows us to stay in that place. But we don't live for for the approval of others. We live for God, and we are going to be responsible one day to where he's going to ask us, what did you, you know, Pastor Paul preached on this Sunday, you know, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your talents? And so, in order to get to that purpose, and in order to get out of that mindset, you have to, faith without acts, it's dead. It's completely dead. If you are feeling rejected, if you're feeling lonely, you're feeling separated, it's the holidays. And I and I just realized recently that the holidays make a lot of people sad. I, I've never felt that way, but I just started understanding that all of these uh, synonyms, forsaken, wasted, deserted, lonely, the synonym of the word desolate is exactly how a lot of people feel around this time of the year. And I had no idea. I, I really just, my eyes were open to that. So what, so what do you do, right? So God could be laying it on your heart since you've stepped over from, des, from desolation into your purpose to just go the extra effort this holiday season, to go to that person that's kind of off to themselves. Serve in a ministry at church. Don't wait for Paul or Ginger or Angel to come ask you to do it. You just go and ask, how can I help you? How can I be a blessing? Jessica always needs help. I mean, the kids' department. There's there's tons of ways that you could step into it because when we hear the idea purpose, it's almost like, oh, i got to preach. Oh i got to go to the nations, you know. I mean, it starts so small. God just told Moses to go back, just to go back. He didn't lay out for him and, and tell him, you have to go do all this right now. Just go back and tell them who sent you, and they will know that I am here. It starts with taking a step from that lonely place. It starts with taking a step to where he called you to. Because once you get out of that place and you can stay free, if you want to be a stale Christian, you can. But you're going to get bored really fast. Really fast, because it's so easy to stay content. I like my little bubble. I come to church every Sunday. I come to church every Wednesday. I sit on my little spot right here. I say a greeting to some people. I like to sit down, and then that's it. I mean, you know, you you can stay that way if you want to, but you, I won't see you here probably in a few years. I won't see you serving the kingdom in a few years if that's the case. You can come here on Wednesdays with your friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. But if you want something that sustains... If you want to get out of that place, it takes a step. 
It takes a step into your purpose. And the thing that Moses was battling with so much, I believe, is he thought he grew up as an Egyptian and found out he wasn't. That everything he thought about himself, everything he thought he knew about himself was a lie. And here is this moment where a bush is on fire, and you can't question if it's on fire. It's not a lie. It's natural. God will meet you in a place where if you're questioning if he's real or not, ask him to show you. Ask him. Because he will. Because he's, he's understanding, and he's good, and he wants to have a connection and a relationship with us to where we can walk in our purpose. But the thing with Moses and the thing with myself was I thought I thought for so long, you know, I just got clean and saved to be clean and saved and have a good relationship with my parents, amen, you know, and get back with Hutton because he's my boo, you know, love him. <laughs> but God never shows up and gets you out of that place just for your own safety. Moses led the rebellion, the revolution that set Thousands and thousands and thousands of people free. His burning bush experience, if he hadn't have taken that step forward, if he hadn't have been lured to it and went and stepped out of his comfort zone, then he would have never set those thousands of people free. Imagine how many people are waiting on you. Waiting on you to take a step out of that desert, to take a step out of that place, So you can go and save others. God never saves you just for yourself. Because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a circle. It's a circle. It keeps going. Because the person that you, that you might reach, they can reach thousands. And those thousands can reach more thousands. And that's the purpose that God is always trying to show us is, yeah, you can love me and you can have a great life just wandering around, set free. He could have went back to Egypt. And just chilled, you know, not went and tried to set the people free. He could have went back. I'm free. I had God. God told me who I am. We're good. I'm going to go home and I'm just going to chill because I like this lifestyle. But he didn't. He stepped out and he did what God told him to do because God was the only real thing in his life he ever knew. You are going to find in this life, you know, what I believe. This could just be my opinion. That you can put your hope and faith in people. You can put it into your pastors. And my mom taught me a long time ago. She said, I'm not your standard for Jesus. Well, if mom and daddy do it, then we're good. If Pastor Paul and Ginger do it, then that's right. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is what you are trying to mirror. Not your mom and dad. Not your youth pastors. Nothing like that. He is, he's God. And he's the only real and true thing that's going to outlast everything on this earth. He was in the beginning. He will be there in the end. And, you know, we live in such a world with social media where everything is so fake. You know, you can got filters that can make you look this big, got lips that make you look this big, and none of it's real. None of it's real. But God is. And the purpose that is on each and every one of your lives is much larger than you think. And God is so good, He's not going to ask you to go and, and, and do this crazy thing that's, that's out of your reach. He's just asking you to take one step, just, just one step into your purpose. But a lot of us don't really believe that we can do that. But like I said, it can be just an act of kindness. It can be not sitting in your chair at greeting and going and making it a point to go to the most miserable-looking person that morning, Logan. <laughs> Just kidding. 
and give him the biggest hug you've ever given anyone in your entire life. Logan, be ready. Wear your sweatshirt. So, you know, just kidding, Carly. We won't, we won't attack him. But it could just be something small. But for me, my Mount Sinai, my burning bush moment was whenever I got free from addiction. And little did I know that me saying yes and going and God revealing himself to me would lead to me working with people who are in addiction and living my life out as a testimony, living my life out and doing things like this that I am extremely uncomfortable doing right now for, I mean, it's, it's easy. Like preaching in teen challenge. That's my jam. Like we've all screwed up together. You know, it's a little more intimidating when you're in front of a bunch of children who haven't made too many mistakes and a bunch of adults who have gotten their stuff together, you know, but all he wants is your yes. So like I said, which side are you with tonight? Are you in the desolate place? Are you trying to figure out your purpose and your identity? If you are in the desolate place where you feel lonely, where you don't really know who you are, where you don't really have any vision for your life, you could be an addiction. It could be pornography. It could be anything. Problems in your marriage. If you are in that place, we have an amazing set of pastors and youth pastors that are more than willing to pray for you. You can have a burning bush moment anywhere, anytime. It can be tonight. It could be at home in your bedroom. It could be anywhere. Because if you ask him, he will show up. But if you want somebody to talk to you about if you want somebody to lead you to that place, then all you got to do is ask. And we'll have a moment for you all to do that in a minute. Now, the purpose people, the people who have been set free from sickness, who have been healed in their body, who have been set free from addiction, marriages restored... Do you want to know what your purpose is? Do you want God to reveal himself to you in such a way that you will never be able to deny that moment in your life? Did you forget your burning bush experience and you become stale to where you're just going through the routine every single day? Gosh, aren't we all guilty of that at least at some point in our lives? I know that I am. I can't get up here and say that without being honest about it. Because God saved me in such a mighty way. And then, you know, we just kind of get going and go. And then you get pregnant and things get weird, you know. So, <laughs> But if you want that moment, if you want to be able to have that burning bush moment where God reveals himself to you and says, step forth, let's do this. I'm going to send you back to the place where you were enslaved. I'm going to send you back to the people that you that you ran away from. Because it's coming. It's a matter of if you're going to do it or not. God is looking for the obedient. He's looking for his children that are going to say, here I am. This is me. I'll, I'll, I'll do it, Lord. I will, I will step forward. I will shed that old skin. I will shed that identity that I used to live in. And I will take on everything that you have for me. Everything that's yours. And that's what my life speaks. And that's the only thing I can teach is things that I've lived I did not want to do the Generation House because <laughs> it was a homeless shelter at first. Ain't, ain't that right, Marvely? She knows what I'm talking about. And I was not, I just, I just wanted to be set free from drug addiction and be myself and just love God and hang out with my parents and nobody bother me. And God asked me if I would do it. And he showed me so many people in my life that were so caught up in that lifestyle that nobody had went back to them. Nobody had said yes Nobody had showed them that freedom really does exist. So imagine all the people that you guys can touch if you just step out of your comfort zone, if you just step out of that, of that constant routine. Lives will be changed. And that one life that you might touch can affect thousands of people. Thousands. 
can change a mindset. So I just want to... Is that, is that good timing? Was that all right? Okay, cool. Because I never really know. Wednesdays are weird too. All right, so if you just want to stand, that'd be great. Greg, if you want to come play me a bumpity-bump melody, that'd be fabulous. A little bumpity-bump melody. Bumpity-bump. That's what that you know. Yes.